Hey everybody, this is Brian Frischella, and this is a special March Madness bonus episode of World of Basketball. By the way, World of Basketball is a part of the Sirius XM podcast network. Check out the Sirius XM app now and rate and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. We are heading towards 50 shows since we started this last spring. And as you know, what we try to do is bring you basketball from around the world, simplify it for you, and shrink the globe. Today, we have a, a, a special edition because we're going to be talking about players and coaches in the NCAA tournament who have international connections. In fact, seven former guests who are participating in March Madness, uh, we'll, you'll hear from uh, uh, all of them today on this special edition. Unfortunately, uh, sadly, no Sandru Mamukalashvili and Seton Hall, uh, Charles Bassey from Western Kentucky. They'll be playing in the NIT, but unfortunately, they will not be part of March Madness. But we do have some great guests throughout the year. We've, we're going to cut up some quips and let you hear from them and give you a taste of what to expect as, uh, as we go forward. So uh, without further ado, I bring in my partner, Chris Tyler and Chris, you've worked feverish, feverishly hard uh, <laughs> on uh, getting ready for this show. I know you're excited not only about the show, but about what we're going to get a chance to watch in the next uh, two and a half weeks. Absolutely. It's been two years since we've had this, friend. So we've been waiting a long, long time for much Madness to come back. But like you said, I've kind of been uh, plugging away, doing a whole bunch of research for this episode because it's fun, right? This is this is what we love doing. This is why you and I are in this business because we love watching basketball, especially college hoops. It's a lot of fun. And thankfully for us, there's a lot of guys that are going to be in March Madness that have that international connection. Now, a lot of the guys, most of the guys that we're going to be talking about today uh, are guys that have been born overseas, but... Some of them do have that international connection, like Luca Garza, was born in the States, but has international connections. Same with Rick Pitino, born in the States, but coached overseas. We had him on talking about his coaching career in Greece, all that sort of stuff. So mainly we're going to be talking about guys born uh, overseas, but you know we, we do like to bend the rules every now and then. Oh, yeah. We got, we got great connections. Uh, you know, the NBA is... Uh you know, fully loaded with international guys and what's happening more and more in college is these kids are coming over. And, uh, you know, when I first started coaching, Chris, um, it was hard to get an international kid to come over. If it was a really good player from France, like Joel Yayi, uh, the overwhelming odds were that they were going to turn pro at an early age. And, uh, yeah, you know, kids from Spain, kids from Serbia, that's all changed now. Um, we we see all these kids. Uh, I know you have a list of guys that are in this tournament. And I think you're going to test me. Is that right? Are you quizzing me today on international basketball? Well, that's what I want to do. I want to start off firstly because there are a plethora of international guys that we want to talk about and a plethora of other guys that we won't even get to that are going to be in March Madness. But firstly, I've got a couple of questions to ask you just to see just to, just to kind of give you perspective of how many players there actually are. So, Fran, firstly, the first question for you, yep. how many of the 68 teams, so the main field of 64 plus the the, uh, the playing games, yeah. how many of the 68 teams do you think have at least one player born overseas? That's the first so, question. These are all guesses. I want people to know I did not look this up. I wanted to do this uh, the right way. Uh, so 68 teams, I'd have to say at least a third. So I'll say, I'll say 22. More. 
Wow. Okay. Keeping in mind, this is players on the roster that yeah. were born overseas. So they Absolutely. might not play that much. They might be redshirted, but they're on the roster more than Doesn't that. Matter. No, I get it. I get it. I know Chad has a player because I just covered him in the Big 12 tournament, Bernard Kuma, mm-hmm. who is the only player from Chad. I do know that. Uh, but okay, so it's not it's not 22. I'll say 26. More, way more. Wow. Wow. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna notch it. I'm gonna ratchet it up. Forty one. More. Come on. More. Forty eight. More. Fifty. More. Fifty six. Fifty seven. Wow. Fifty seven of the sixty eight teams have at least one player born overseas. Two teams have seven players born overseas. Nine teams have five or more players born overseas, and the total amount of players born overseas on rosters of March Madness teams is a whopping 156, Fran. 156 players in March Madness this year have been born overseas. That is phenomenal. That's that's crazy. I'm going to say, uh, I know Santa Barbara's got a lot of guys. Uh-huh. And I, I know Utah State's got a lot of international kids. Yeah, they're the top. Utah State and UC Santa Barbara, seven players. Syracuse, six. Oral Roberts, six. Illinois, Hartford, Grand Canyon, Oklahoma, and Gonzaga, all five. They round out the top nine. That's so next name. question for you. Yeah. How many countries do you think are represented by oh, all those kids that oh were born overseas? How many different countries? I know. Yeah, that's unbelievable. That's a great question. Uh, I, know, I know in the NBA, it's like 48 or so. I'll say, I'm going to say 50. More. More than 50, Fred. That's crazy. Yeah, 52. Uh, 52 is the number. You're close enough. 52, 52 different countries. countries. And do you know what the top three are? The top three countries. We've got a team with 21 a t- and two teams with 13. Okay. Well, 21 is pretty easy. It's Canada. Canada. Okay. Who are the two teams with 13? Who are the two countries with, with 13 players I'll represented? Say, I'll say France. Nope. Okay. I'll say, okay, I got to think outside the box here. France so, only. I'm. I'm going to go to my list over here. France only has five. They're seventh uh, on the list. All right. So, uh, ooh, so I, I, you got me because I. I mean, Mexico makes sense, but I don't think they have enough guys. Nope. Uh, so I'm not going to say Mexico. I'll say. Uh, oh man, that's a good Australia. Australia is one of them. The second one's going to be tough to get, but Australia has thirteen. All right. So I'll one take, more. I'll take a while. And he, he's a guest. We yeah. have had a guest. From this country on World of Basketball. Of course we have. I mean, we, we've had over 40 shows. Uh, yep. Let me, I'll take a wild guess because these guys usually never came over to the States back in the old days. They turned pro. I'll say Serbia. Nope. Uh, Serbia. About, oh, don't tell me. Senegal. Nope. Serbia only has two. Senegal has four. Okay. Tell me. I, I give up. We. It's only an hour podcast. I know. Nigeria. Nigeria has 13. How good's that? Okay. Charles Bassey okay. from Nigeria. Yeah, Charles Bassey. Yeah. And, and, and as we talked about on the show with the NBA draft, you know, the, the Isaac Okoros and the guys like that, Ni- the Nigerian kids oftentimes either are born there and come here or their parents are born there and they're first generation. And uh, we see that a lot in college basketball. And so that's really, really cool. All right. What do we got next? Where are we going? So – there's plenty of players that we're not even probably going to see throughout the tournament that were born overseas, yeah. but we want to focus on the guys that are going to make the most impact possible. And thankfully for us, a lot of them have been on our show. 
But I want to start off by talking about the Gonzaga guys. We had Tommy Lloyd on the show a while back to talk about the international connection with Gonzaga. It's been going on for many, many years. If you have a look at their rosters pretty much for the past 15 years, chock full of international players and good players as well. And the guys that I want to kind of start talking about from Gonzaga, Joel Oyai, Andrew Nemhard, those two obviously from France, uh, Joel Oyai from France, Andrew Nemhard from Canada. Tell me about yep. those two guys, what you like about them and what we can expect to see from those guys in the tournament. Well, Joel's a guy that I think can play in the NBA. He's kind of their underrated guy. Uh, I, I can't believe how much better he's gotten. When he was a freshman coming off a great performance for uh, the French junior national teams, uh, I, I didn't think he'd ever play at Gonzaga. And by the way, neither did the coaching staff his freshman year. He got better and better, got the opportunity to play and uh, – Really like him because he fits in with their stars. He fits in with, you know, with Suggs, with Timmy, with Kispert. And uh, and then Nemhart was a gift, transferring from Florida, getting his eligible eligibility right away. And so I, I think those guys are going to be really good. We asked him about why international kids are successful at Gonzaga and why they're so comfortable in Spokane, Washington, you know, a little tiny city in the northwest of the United States. Here's what he had to say. I think the magic now, I mean, I would say if we're talking now, is we have lots of experience with it. And then we have a proven track record. And it's something that we're very comfortable prioritizing. And, um, you know, I, I think once the, the kids get here, you know, I think we can deliver a, a great experience. The, the community of Gonzaga in Spokane, is all in on supporting these kids. And, and, and a question I get asked a lot, like, you know, just whatever at the, at a restaurant or you know, walk through the grocery store to some, you know, some, you know, a random Gonzaga fan will always ask me, hey, who's the next great international guy? Who do we need to keep our eye for? So, so they're already waiting for the next one, you know? Right. <laughs> so when they come here, they're, you know, they're fully embraced from day one. All right. Great to hear from Tommy Lloyd there. That was back in episode 17 of the show, Fran, as you mentioned before, we're heading into the 50s pretty soon. Yeah. We're getting we're getting up there, but that was a long time ago. Tommy Lloyd, one of our early guests, but it was great fun. Go back and have a listen to that episode if you haven't already. If you're a Gonzaga fan, all of our episodes are still available on the Apple uh, on Apple podcast as well as the SiriusXM app. Check it out, rate and subscribe, all that good stuff. But the next person I wanted to have a chat about is someone that we did have on the show Jonathan Chawachachua out of Baylor. They're one of my favorite teams in the tournament this year. Another one seed as well as Gonzaga. What do you think of Jonathan Chawachachua and what makes him such a fun player to watch? Well, the thing about EJ, Everyday John, which is what his nickname is because he brings it every day, is his great energy, uh, which is why we love watching him, why we had him on the show, because uh, he plays with a passion. It's interesting about Baylor, Chris. I was around at the very beginning. And Baylor is the greatest rebuilding job in college basketball history. Definitely. What Scott Drew has done, replacing a, a coach who put them on probation. There was a murder inside the program. And the very first two quality players that Scott Drew actually brought to Waco were two international kids, Mamadou Dien from Senegal, and a guy you're familiar with, Aaron Bruce, who had a great career, uh, not only at Baylor, but you know, playing NBL, playing for the Boomers. And so it's 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 no secret that Scott Drew has international connections. Uh, so with Jonathan, he's a he's a kid that came out of Cameroon, NBA Global Academy. You know we've had guests on from the academy. Uh, then he went to he played at the academy in Australia. 
Uh, we're claiming then, him as Australian, by the way, as we do. If if anyone stays in Australia for even like two weeks, we claim him. So he's Australian. Dual, dual citizenship, yep. Cameroon, Australia. Yep. And so anyway, the thing I loved about him was the energy, and he talked about that and why he plays so hard. Coach B and OGs and the coaching staff just um, helped me understand that offense just um, ball screen offense get better whenever I roll hard. Yeah. Since I, I guess every single team is scared of me getting in love. Yeah. So that the tag we always tag, uh, come extra high on me, and we always get uh, a wide open shot. So I see I see me running the floor as an assist, and I really love it because I yeah. get my teammate open, whether it's transition or whether it's just in the ball screen. The thing that I loved hearing about from EJ was that the Baylor facilities were closed down in summer, so he built a workout center on on the porch of his apartment. He brought all the equipment in, and his teammates in the middle of 100-degree weather, would see him out there working all summer, weight training, agility. I thought that was cool. Here's what he had to say about that. I had a bike in the guest room. I had bands. I had jump ropes, cones, <laughs> speed ladders, uh, some dumbbells, uh, some kettlebells. And yeah. I almost had everything there. I was like you, in the weight room. I knew that I, I couldn't get to the gym. I couldn't have access to a weight room. So, right. and I knew this year was going to happen. Uh, that goal would just make us uh, be able to play basketball. And I was right. just so hungry to just win a national championship. After what happened last year, I was just like, okay, I got to keep on getting better every single day. I ain't going to find no excuses. Man, that's one of my favorite stories I think we've had on this show. The fact that this guy legitimately built a training facility on his porch is unbelievable. It just goes to show his work ethic, goes to show how much he wants to be better, right? He wants to put in as much work as he possibly can to be the best player that he can be. And it shows. And the good thing about him, he's got great teammates as well. Baylor's such a strong team and that a lot of that comes from their guard play. So tell me about the guards at Baylor, Fran. Well, you know, they're, they're, they're arguably the three best in the country. Uh, two of them are All-Americans. The other guy could have been an All-American, you know, in uh, Jared Butler and Davion Mitchell and uh, Macy Oteague. Those guys have been phenomenal all year. They've each scored over 30 points in a game, which tells you about their talent, but also tells you that they're willing to share the ball. And here's what EJ said about his Baylor guard teammates. Man, they're so good. Uh, and they're, they really helped me just even like look better. Um, whether it's defensively or offensively, they're so unselfish, which is why our offense is uh, just so good this year. And then they're just um, great people because they always uh, encourage me, make me feel better about myself. And I always work out with them. Even Daniel Mitchell, I was working out with him during the summer, playing one-on-one with him just to be, be able to guard God. Because I felt like if I was able to guard Davion, I'll be able to guard everybody in the nation, usually speaking. And I was also playing against um, Jared Butler and Adam every single day. I felt like they helped me a lot. Now, the good thing, Fran, about this show is not only have we had someone from number one ranked Gonzaga, not only someone from number one ranked Baylor, we've also had someone from number one seed in Michigan, and that is Franz Wagner, one of my favorite players in the draft. He should be, he's, he's going to be a, a, a first round pick. He could even be a lottery pick this year as well. Well, we'll see how that goes. There's no question he keeps getting better and better. In fact, um, he had a chance to visit with NBA teams uh, in the offseason, obviously Zoom visits. Uh, he looked at becoming a NBA player, much like his brother Mo, who was a first round pick out of Michigan. And he felt he needed to come back to school 
And when we asked him about his NBA future and the feedback he got, here's what he had to say. All I kind of got from uh, getting the feedback was, um, obviously I have to work on my body. Uh, I think that, that was the biggest question mark last year. Um, I, I didn't look like an NBA player, I think. So um, I worked on that during the off season. And um, I think other than that, I, I can continue to do what I do. Uh, I think what I do translates pretty well to, to all leagues in, in the world. So um, yeah, I just try to continue on work on my body. And friend, I think one of the biggest things for this Michigan program, one of the reasons why they've been able to be this successful over the last couple of years is because of the introduction of Coach Howard. He's done wonders for that program. Tell me about uh, Coach Howard and, and what you've seen him and how, how he's managed to to build this program after Coach Beeline was there for so long. Yeah, well, first of all, Coach Beeline, he'll, uh, Coach Howard will admit, left him a great group of guys, including Isaiah Livers. And, you know, Franz Wagner would have been a Michigan Wolverine, even if Coach Beeline was still there, obviously. So, uh, but I, but I love what uh, uh, Juwan Howard has done. I think he's a national coach of the year candidate. He'll definitely get at least a couple of those awards. He played for a long time in the NBA, but what always impressed me about him was he didn't just go into retirement and chill out and play some golf down in, at the Doral, you know, uh, country club in Miami. He got right back into it under uh, Eric Spolstra. And when he had a chance to go back to his alma mater, you know, uh, uh, what would they call that group? The Five Guys? Uh, I can't remember that. Uh, the uh, Fab Five. The Fab Five, of course. Uh, lost my mind for a second. <laughs> uh, he, he's now done a great job of coaching. And Franz specifically had some great stuff to say about uh, Coach Howard. When you want decided to, to be the next head coach, I was super excited to have also a new coach um, that was different from most coach uh, a little bit. So um, to kind of have my own, my own head coach and um, obviously – you know, we don't got to talk about how, how much experience Juan has and, and what he brings to the table. So um, when, he, when he came, I was, I was very excited. Um, and, yeah, so that made it a little easier. And now the fourth number one seed that we've had representation for in this tournament, it's so much fun, is Kofi Coburn out of Illinois. This is one of my favorite teams to watch as well. Really, really good team. Kofi's really coming, especially the second half of the season, dominated in the Big Ten tournament as well. Looked really, really good. He's primed for a breakout, uh, Tony, I think. He's going to be a household name sooner rather than later. Fran, what are your thoughts on Illinois as a whole? Well, let me say this about uh, – this was, this may be my favorite interview um, of all the people in the tournament because there's a realness to this kid. Um, there's a genuineness to Kobe Coburn that I just – it just blew me away to hear him. And, and, and if you haven't, uh, don't just listen to our snippets on the uh, on this special uh, edition of a World of Basketball. Go back and listen to Kofi Coburn because you're going to find an, an amazing young man. So one of the things I felt I felt great about was listening to him talk about his coach, Brad Underwood, because I know Brad and Brad is going to push you every day of the week to get better. And Kobe has uh, excuse me, Kofi has bought into that. And I love this clip about his discussion we had about Coach Underwood. You know, when I first came here as a freshman, I was into myself. I was like, he got, he got on me, got on me. I always responded well, right? But I kind of like made it bother me mentally. Like I was always thinking too much about it. And then as I go, went on in the middle of the year, I started realizing that he's doing this for my, for my own good. And not to just listen to the words, but listen to the message, you know, you know what I'm saying? So it was, it, it was, it was great for, for me to be coached by him because he definitely helped me build my mental strength and both my, 
and my skills on the court, you know? So this is about listening to the message from him. You know, he's always going to get on you. If I get 12 rebounds, he's going to get on me. You know, I, I know that even if I play great, he's going to get on me because he expects more from me. So it's always good. It gives you a fire inside of you. You know, he, he makes you want to play with a burning fire. Like, you know, like yeah. it's always more you could get. Kobe also talked about uh, one of those other international guys who's had a great impact on Illinois basketball this year, freshman guard, Andre Curbelo, born in Puerto Rico, played high school basketball on Long Island, and now I think a rising star once uh, Ayu Desumu heads to the NBA. Kobe had some great stuff to say about his freshman point guard. For the most part, I think he coaches not sweet on him, but he's not as he's not, he's not as hard because he knows what kind of player Andre is. That's why he says that's why he's such a good player because he's confident. You know, if he doesn't make those passes, if he doesn't attempt them, he's not the player that he is. You know. So like if he, has, if he has two turnovers, you know, it's it's a learning process for him as well. He's a freshman. He's gonna get better. He's gonna be more aware, you know. So just about helping building his tools and not crit, like crit, criticizing it. You get what I'm saying? So coaching hard on him, but not as hard. You know, he he allows him to make a couple of mistakes. Chris, you agree? Uh, Illinois is a team that can easily win the whole thing. Oh yeah. No, easy because they'd have to get through some good teams, but. Um, I love the way this team is playing. They have toughness. They have fight. And I thought Kofi was really eloquent when we asked him what Illinois needs to do to win the whole thing. I feel like everybody needs to be on the same page. You understand what I'm saying? So us being on the same page, to me, is knowing what we are striving for. You know, making sure that each and everybody are able to sacrifice what they need to sacrifice for us to achieve that common goal. You understand what I'm saying? So if, it, like, up to, if it's up to me, like, I would be like, if I don't need to score to win the basketball game and win the championship, then so be it. You get what I'm saying? Like, everybody has to understand that you have to sacrifice for the common goal. It's way bigger than any of us individually. You get what I'm saying? And winning is the most important thing in everything. You know, you hear it from, from, prime, from high school to college to the pros. People want winners. They don't want basketball players. They want winners. You get what I'm saying? So if you're winning, that's, that's all that matters. So we, we all got to be on the same page mentally, knowing that we're both, we're all striving for the same common goal, and we all need to sacrifice whatever it takes to get that to achieve that. What I found fascinating about Kofi was when I asked him about Luca Garza. You know, the two monsters of the Big Ten this last couple of years, and the two schools, Chris, do not like each other. Not at all. And I found it fascinating when we asked Kofi about Luca Garza. He had some very interesting comments. We all know what kind of talent Garza is. And they go out there, you know, go head to head with him, you know, and, you know, bang, bang with him, you know, say, you know, in the most competitive games ever, you know. The Big Ten has the best teams in the country, the best conference in the country. And just to go out there every night knowing that you're playing against a really good big man, really good players with a re on a really good team, it's a, it's a great feeling. You know, we respect each other, you know, it's, 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 we're, 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 we're grown people and we respect each other. You know, after the game, after a good play, you know, we'd be like, good job. You know, if we make a play that we didn't mean to do, be like, yeah, my bad for me. So it's definitely love. It's a lot of love we show each other, but at the same time, we have to be competitive. We can't let that get in the way, of, you know, a goal, you know, winning the game. So, but we definitely, we definitely talk to each other, you know, good job, buddy, good job, good game. You know, keep getting better. It's definitely. You guys yeah. probably be friends when this is all over. I, I would yeah. Think. So we're definitely yeah. friends off the court, but on the basketball court, we gotta, we gotta play for a team. And that's actually a good place to uh, to transition to Luka Gaza. He's gonna be the player of the year, probably. I can't imagine he's not going to win that award. I think it's just about sewn up. There are a couple of other players who, who have a, an outside shot, but I think that's Luka Garza's to lose at the moment. 
He's just been a dominant force, both inside the paint and out. He's really worked on his three-point shot this season, and it shows. What has yeah. been your uh, opinion of of of, um, of Luca this season, watching him dominate in the Big Ten? Yeah, you know, I didn't think he could have a whole lot better senior year than he did as a junior because he was dominant last year, but he has, and it's fun to see. And, uh, you know, let's, let's start off with this. You mentioned his shooting range. He's shooting well. I think he's shooting over 40% from three. Yeah. Before he dominated, and we know when we talked to him, he and his dad, Frank, uh, worked on shooting all summer long behind the yard. Let's see what he has to say about extending that range. I've extended my range a lot. You know, I've always yeah. been confident in my three-point shot. Now, right. I've, you know, in the beginning, you know, I didn't know where I was going to end up, you know, this year. So it was a lot of working on that. I think that's going to help me with the college tree of just, you know, practicing every day. You know, when you're practicing at the NBA three, it becomes an easier shot at the college tree. So I, I feel very, very confident in both ranges. And, um, you know, uh, I'm excited to show that on the court. The interesting thing about this podcast, as you know, is that there would be no Luca Garza without Frank Garza, who himself was a college basketball player. And by the way, shout out to mom, because one of the reasons Luca came on the show is mom, uh, mom is Bosnian and uh, in her own right was a very good player, an athletic family. So, uh, uh, you know, that's our that's our Luca Bosnian connection. But Frank Garza had a lot to do with the development of Luca last offseason. And we taped this uh, podcast way back in the fall before the season even started. Here's what Frank Garza had to say about how much his son improved. You're going to see a quicker Luca. How fast I think I say double in terms of his footwork and speed. Because I don't care if you have a 4240 friend, it uh, doesn't matter how fast, it matters how fast you move in the game. And I think you're going to see, uh, you're going to see, you'll be surprised. Well, again, Chris, we taped this back in the fall. And even then, we knew that this Iowa team had a lot of experience back. And I think they've lived up to the billing, especially when you think, I don't know how you feel about it, but the, the, the way the big, 10 was this year, uh, you know, Lucas seemed to be right on the money uh, with what he said about his teammates. You know, for me, you know, it's always been a dream to be on a team that good. And this coming year, we have, you know, the potential to be one of the best teams that's ever played at Iowa and, you know, a, t- a team that could go deep in, in, in March. And, you know, there's a lot of things we got to work on to make sure that we're able to do that. But I think with the group we have coming back, you know, the guys you mentioned, you know, obviously Connor, who you know, was probably the best post feeder I've ever played with um and and that's you know kind of easy um and you know the rest of the guys we have coming back Jordan Bohan and you know CJ Frederick Joe Wieskamp and and Jack Nudge coming off of surgery you know everybody's we're gonna be a very deep team and then I think you know the biggest point for us is to work on improving our defense I think that a lot of that comes with with experience and guys who have been there a couple of years who are just going to get better and better and better um but we're really looking forward to grinding you know in, in the rest of this offseason getting ready um, you know, to be able to be one of the teams that can not only score on people, uh, which we can do you know, better than anybody in the country, but to be able to stop people because uh, that's what's going to separate us. Now, the next guy we want to have to uh, to talk about today is Santi Vescovi. We had him on about a few weeks ago at the moment, playing for Tennessee, kid out of Uruguay. You don't get many Uruguayan uh, players playing uh, in the NBA or in college, Fran. He's, he's one of a very few, but he came on, and, and kind of spoke about his season and, and how good Tennessee are going. They look really good. They could be a dark horse for the Tony as well. What are your thoughts on Santi and, and the, the Tennessee Volunteers? One of the things I love about Santi is he's able to give us the, the journey from Uruguay to the NBA Academy in uh, Latin America, New Mexico, excuse me, Mexico. And then he headed like Jonathan Chamochachua 
to Australia for the NBA's Global Academy. Again, we're claiming him as well. Yep. Yeah, and they bring the best of the best over there, right? So yep. Uh, and he ended up he ended up uh, really literally showing up at, at Tennessee at the end of December, and a week later he's in the starting lineup in an SEC game. So and he had a, he had a really good sophomore year, though they had a, a little lot more talent around him. Um, I was really interested in hearing him talk about being compared to Manu Ginobili. I mean, if I if I gotta be honest with you, uh, it's a really honor. Uh, when people tell me about uh, Ginobili, especially uh, so Coach Wars, when he was recruiting me, he told me that uh, he went to Atlanta to uh, use later on. We had uh, a tournament like in the acad- against academies against each other and a couple international teams. We were playing at the Atlanta Hawks facilities and Coach Wars uh, told me that, of course, now once I got here, he told me that he was there and he wrote down that I was like a Ginobili version of a point guard or something like that. But that is a really good compliment. Like I really feel honored when they yeah. say that to me. Chris, he also played for a guy that I worked for for three years, Rick Barnes, who's done an incredible job rebuilding Tennessee basketball. Not the easiest guy to play for because he's very demanding, like so many good coaches. But Santi seemed to embrace Coach Barnes's uh, competitiveness and his toughness. Here's what he had to say. Coach is tough. Like on the court, uh, in practice, like he can yell at you. And that's something that really helped me grow a lot in terms of uh, being more mature. Uh, something that you got to get used to because like everywhere else where you want to play, they're going to be like that. And it was the first time that I was getting coached that hard. And I think it was like a it's just like a teach point for me in my life that I kind of like got to get used to that. And I think he does a really great job because the intensity that he brings uh, with the yelling and when he yells at somebody or gets mad of a turnover, even in practices, like there's not one practice that intensity is not high enough because he's making sure every time that intensity is high. And I think that translates to the game. And I think it's a really great job doing that. All right, friend. Now let's go rapid fire. I've got a couple of other guys that I want to ask you about because I think these guys could go a long way in helping their teams make a big run at during the tournament. One of these guys is Nimius Keita from Utah State Junior. Tell me about him. You know what? A uh, big kid from, from Portugal uh, has had a really good career uh, sandwiched between an injury plague sophomore year. He came back healthy this year and he's been dominant in the Mountain West for uh, for Coach Smith out at Utah State. Dangerous team. Keep your eye on the big fellow Keita. Next one, Chris Duarte out of Oregon, senior. Tell me about him. College version of Clay Thompson. That's what he plays like. Defense, can shoot it. Good athlete, like him. Should be a first-rounder as well. Matt Harms out of BYU, senior, 24 years old. Listen, he, he's, he's got tournament experience because he played at Purdue for three years. He transferred this year and... Uh, you know, BYU's always had great international players. He's had a really good senior year. And he's Dutch as well, for anyone wondering out there. And another BYU player, Gideon George. Tell me about Gideon George. You know what? Uh, my, my BYU friends told me all year, this kid's a terrific athlete, a Juco transfer. And uh, love, love, love the way he's added to Coach Pope's roster. Tell, the, tell, tell folks the country. 
He's one of the 13 Nigerians that are going to be playing in March Madness this year. So great to see. And the last player that I specifically wanted to get your thoughts on as well. I know he's an absolute favorite of yours. Kai Jones, sophomore out of Texas. First time I saw Kai Jones was three years ago at the NBA Global Camp in Treviso, Italy. Got to know him there. He's probably a buck 80, 6'9". He's now 6'11", 220. Uh, one of the best athletes in the country. A huge reason why Shaka Smart's team uh, won the Big 12 tournament title. Uh, he'll be off to the NBA someday soon. But the Bahamas, the last great player from the Bahamas to go to the Final Four, but he healed in 2016. Kai Jones is going to try to make that happen for Shaka Smart. And before we finish off, friend, it would be it would be stupid of us to ignore all the Canadian players out there. There's plenty of good ones that are going to be on show during the tournament. So kind of tell us about your favorite Canadians that are going to be on show in March Madness this year. Well, there's let's give them credit. You mentioned it. There's well over 20. That's kind of cool. Uh, you know, kid, I just saw this weekend. It was going to be a really good player at Oklahoma State, M.A. Montgrief. Uh, from the Toronto area. He's just a warrior. Uh, you'll love watching him play when you watch Oklahoma State because uh, it's not just about Kate Cunningham. They've got terrific young players. We've mentioned Andrew Nemhart. We expect Gonzaga to go far, including maybe winning it all as they are the favorite. And Andrew, the transfer from Florida, uh, had a terrific season for the Zags. Uh, you don't hear about, us, about him as much simply because uh, of the, uh, the uh, his teammates who have had All-American years. Javon Blair from Georgetown. Here's a kid that's been a four-year guy. He's been with uh, with Coach Ewing every step of the way through ups and downs, and Javon finished off his career with uh, uh, with a Big East tournament title. Gabe Osaboyan, Chris Tyler, is another guy that made the all-defensive team uh, out of West Virginia. This guy, I've seen him for two years now. He is an absolute demon defensively six foot eight takes charges uh you know gets deflections rebounds so keep your eye on him as well big zach Eady from purdue the freshman seven foot four uh who is really anchored uh that purdue uh, uh front line those are those are just some of the guys to keep your eye on we can mention all you know 20 plus but uh canadians are having a huge impact on college basketball and their presence will definitely be felt in this NCAA tournament. Well, from an international perspective, there's certainly a lot to be excited about. There's certainly a lot of plays for us to keep an eye on. It is going to be an awesome week. Unfortunately, it starts on Friday. I don't know if I really like that or not. I kind of like the traditional Thursday afternoon start. But, friend... Stop complaining. Stop complaining. I'm, not, I'm definitely have... not complaining. I can tell you that. I'm not complaining. Yeah, we've got have... basketball. It's going to be... <laughs> 12 hours of basketball for four days in a row. It's going to be awesome. I love it. Plenty of plays to look out for. Any final thoughts before we finish off, friend? No, just that, uh, you know, again, the reason we do World of Basketball is to let people know the basketball globe has shrunk dramatically, and it's evident in the NBA, and it will be evident from now until April 5th when somebody will cut down the nets. And by the way, if it's the favorite Gonzaga, keep in mind, Chris, Five international players, but many, many more came before them at Gonzaga. Tommy Woy told us about it, but we're going to have a great tournament. There's going to be great play. Our international friends are going to have a huge part of March Madness the next couple of weeks. Absolutely. And that brings us to the end of the show as well. And make sure everyone rate and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, SiriusXM app, 
wherever you get your podcasts. And the best thing about this week, Fran, as well, is we still have an episode coming tomorrow. We're not we're not uh, jibbing you out of a Thursday edition. We've still got a Thursday edition for you. We're bringing you some future NBA success. You're going to love tomorrow's show. But remember, even after tomorrow's show, I'll bring you to another place next week in my world of basketball. Enjoy the NCAA tournament. Serious XM Podcasts.